listening to Carnivore Conversations, a podcast exploring the benefits of keto, carnivore, intermittent feasting, and other lifestyle hacks. Each week, we'll be interviewing a special guest from the keto carnivore community and so much more. This is your host, board-certified and practicing physician, Dr. Robert Kiltz. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I've got uh, Tyler LaMarche, and uh, he's a um, uh, entrepreneur and a health and wellness uh, fitness coach. And uh, glad to have you here, Tyler. And uh, I'm going to let you share a little bit about your company and what you're doing and how long you've been doing it. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Um, so I started my business about two and a half years ago. Um, I got into it because... I'm of meeting actually two individuals that really sparked my interest back for uh, nutrition and fitness. I've always been into nutrition and fitness. Um, I've had a long journey of my own personal health and the journey I've been through has really led to me helping people now. Um, we'll kind of go into a little bit later what I went through, but um, yeah, I had a very challenging life internally uh, from the outside. I mean, we had everything. I had amazing family, very supporting parents, we always had a big house, a lot of property, all the family vacations we went on. It was amazing. Um, but I just really struggled internally uh, with my health. And we'll, we'll definitely dive into that. But yeah, I just really, I really got into helping people um, go from where I was or similar situations um, to getting where I am now. A um, lot, of, lot of mental struggles, a lot of mindset I really deal with with people. Um, you have to initially change your mindset to be in a place uh, for growth. Mm -hmm. So I usually get into people's mindset first. Um, then I start going into the nutrition side of things and then the fitness side of things. Um, but it really, it's, it's life changing. This, this carnivore way of living, like the lion diet, it's amazing. It's totally changed my life. I've changed well over a hundred people's lives by now with it. Um, I've learned a lot of the information I have from Dr. Paul Saladino. I'm sure you've heard of him, carnivore MD, amazing guy. Um, I got a whole list of doctors and you're one of the doctors as well that um, I recommend to people when I'm showing them the carnivore diet. Um, just kind of, not only do I want to teach people this, I want them to learn this information for themselves. That's the biggest thing because I can just tell them all I want about it, what I know, but ultimately they're going to really, truly understand this when they start listening to podcasts, when they start reading books about it and really diving in, looking into more studies. Um, cause I truly want people to actually be able to change lives for themselves, um, on top of me helping them as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the struggles you went through to kind of get to where you're at today? Yeah. So uh, growing up, like I said, amazing family. We had everything, um, but I really struggled with my brain. So I had the most severe brain fog you could ever imagine. I just felt so stupid all the time. And it came, I came to find out later is because of grains is because of neural inflammation, but it literally took me until my mid twenties to late twenties to really figure that out. So I just went through my entire life, just brain not functioning, not working very well at all. Um, I was very shy, um, really kept to myself. I was actually kind of a class clown and through middle school. Um, and just because I knew everybody, we had a class, it was like a school of 100 kids. It was very small. Um, so I was kind of a class clown there. And then I moved to high school and I was just so overwhelmed because all of a sudden it went from 100 kids in the whole school to over a thousand. So wow. I just, I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do. So I got, became extremely withdrawn, very shy, really kept to myself. Uh, teachers calling on me in class. I would just try to like look away and avoid as much as possible. And as soon as they called on me, my face would just turn bright red. 
Um, I just, I didn't want to be noticed. I was just, my, uh, <laughs> my nervous system was so freaking jacked up. I couldn't handle all the attention. Um, so I tried at all costs to avoid it. Um, had a lot of gut issues. So every single day I was extremely gassy, very bloated, stomach pains coming here and there. Um, as a kid, I mean, we kind of ate almost like everybody else. And then it wasn't until middle school, maybe fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh and eighth, we really started cleaning up our diet. We started eating more kind of a whole foods diet, got into uh, herbal nutrition, like herb plants. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Christopher. We used a lot of his herbal supplements. Um, we end up actually jacking ourselves up even more uh, getting on the herbal supplements. Um, so we really experimented that, um, experimented with uh, plant-based eating, um, paleo a little bit, um, try to take away grains for the most part and got into more of a whole foods. But it just, whatever we did, nothing seemed to quite work. I always had the brain fog. I always had the stomach issues, always uh, just inflammation in my gut, constantly in my brain. Um, and then it wasn't until my late twenties to where I found the carnivore diet and I started doing that and it completely changed my life forever. But school, like, like I said, I was super shy. Um, did you have learning problems at oh, all? Oh yeah. I was, I was just going to go into that. So I could not comprehend almost a word of what my teachers would say. Like I was a really good note taker. I was always taking notes, always paying the best attention I could. I also had ADHD as well. Uh, didn't take Ritalin for it. Uh, wasn't on, on any medication whatsoever. I just tried to deal with it. Um, but yeah, I severe learning disability. Couldn't comprehend inf any information what the teachers were saying. Couldn't comprehend anything I was reading uh, through the textbook. So it was hell. I would go home to my mom after school, just like crying, beating myself up, calling myself names. Like literally, I'd physically hit myself just because I was so freaking frustrated. I, I had to read paragraphs over and over and over, and I just could not get it down. I had to work 10 times harder than all the other students in class. Um, I did good. Like I, I maintained about a 3.0, but I worked so freaking hard just to get that 4.0, a uh, 3.0. Um, and I'd even have to work harder than the kids that got the 4.0 to get the 3.0. So I did well, but I was just constantly so freaking frustrated. And I, I just didn't know what to do. It, it wasn't really until my late 20s I figured it out. And you mentioned the herbs and the nutrition. Was that your, your parents or your mom working to change the diet at home to improve that? Yeah. Yeah. So I ate a lot of grains up until probably my mid twenties. Um, we, we ate fairly well. It was kind of a whole foods diet. We got rid of the junk for the most part. We had like Cheez-Its here and there, ice cream. Um, but she was really, she had a type of cancer. I think some had a kind of cancer in her uterus, I believe, um, or somewhere around there. And what she was trying to do is heal herself of that and just kind of prevent us from having any issues. So we dove so deep in the uh, herbal plants. We would uh, encapsulate our own pills. We'd get all the powders. We have this uh, capsulation tool. We have all the uh, capsules laid out, film with powder, tamp them, put some more in, tamp them down, cap them. Uh, we just made all our own pills, had our own drinks. Like we just have these huge green drinks that were disgusting. I don't even remember what they were exactly, but just any herb plants you can think of, we were taking them, putting them in water, drinking them, stirring them up. It was horrible. And it um, wasn't helping. No, not at all. It seemed like it at first. I mean, what did I know? I was just a kid. I was just doing what my mom, my mom told me. Um, but I didn't really notice any changes. It kind of helped my mom and my dad for a little bit. Um, but really, it, was, it wasn't it was a long time before it really started making us worse than it was making us better. 
You think it's mostly placebo effect or do you think I think it was placebo effect at first? Because like just like somebody going on a vegetarian diet, like they're gonna feel better at first because it's a total change. Like if you're getting off a processed fast food diet and you move to eating plant-based, yeah, 100 percent you're gonna feel a lot better because you're actually eating real food that comes from the earth. So yeah, you're gonna feel more energetic, you're gonna feel better for a time, and then things are gonna really, you're gonna start becoming extremely nutrient deficient, especially. And brain fog is a, is a big thing as well. Gas, uh, bloating, stomach irritability. I mean, that's a huge problem with a lot of vegans and lack of muscle mass as well. And I noticed the same things. I was actually vegan, I think when I was about 20 or 21. And I did it for probably a year or so. It was the most unhealthy I've been in my entire life. The most skinny I've been in my entire life as well. Most so brain it sounds fog. like you've been on a constant search of improving your yeah. mind and your body. How did you get to the place you're at now? What was the motivation? Who inspired you? And right. tell us a little bit about your current journey. Right. Um, so I got really into bodybuilding when I was about 18 or 19. Um, I was eating a cleaner whole foods diet. Um, I was eating mostly like rye, white rice, uh, sweet potatoes, uh, a lot of nuts, eggs, kale, spinach, broccoli, cauliflower, um, avocados. So I was eating pretty well compared to most people. Um, but it still wasn't ideal for me. And I did this diet. I was, I was eating like five to 7,000 calories a day, eating every like two to four hours. I did this for years and I just dest destroyed my gut even more by doing that. I just thought like, you have to be in a crazy caloric surplus. I believed all the crap they told us about how exactly you do bodybuilding. Um, and, and I did it for years and it wasn't until I was about, was I 28 or 29? Um, I was working for my family business at the time doing fence construction. And we came to this, this guy's house and I started kind of unloading the tools, getting everything ready. And this, uh, he saw me kind of carrying around my, my bottle full of some kind of tea and he asked what was inside my tea. Um, and I was telling him about, it's, it's called Sunrider. It's a, like a hydration multiplier. I was telling him about that. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. So you're really into health and fitness. And I was like, yeah, yeah I work out and I try to eat well and all that. He's like, that's awesome. Uh, you should meet my son sometime. He's really into that as well. He's like, okay, cool. Who's your son? And he said, uh, Dr. John Jaquish. And I was like, have you heard of him? I was like, no, I haven't heard of him, but I'll, I'll look him up. And it's just super successful dude. Looks like a multimillionaire. Um, and he designed something called uh, the OsteoStrong and then X3 bar. So I started looking at him like, wow, this guy's great. Yeah, I can't wait to meet him. Um, so they invited me over to the house in a couple of weeks. Um, so at the time I was married, I brought my wife over there and we had uh, just kind of sitting out on the patio. He was introducing himself um, and he showed me the X3 bar. And um, it's actually what I use now. And it's what I train my clients on now. Um, so it's a, a bar, steel bar, uh, like a small Olympic bar, steel plate and four different bands that come with it. Um, and it's, it's variable resistance. It's much different than weightlifting. So weightlifting is static resistance. The weight is the same throughout the entire uh, range of motion and variable resistance with bands. It's like lighter in the weakest range of motion. It gets heavier as you pull it. So you're able to do, uh, even lift more weight than you should be able to because the, the, of the varying uh, weight. So he showed it to me and I was like, I was already kind of open-minded because I would been lifting weights for a long time. I kind of plateaued in my results. I was getting tired of it. I was working out like hour and a half in the gym every single day, doing the kind of same things over and over again, just kind of getting sick of it. And my joints were kind of starting to hurt. So started getting pain in my uh, elbows, my knees, um, my low back. It started getting worse and worse. And so I was, I was really open-minded to something different. And then he showed me the X3 bar and I was like, man, like, this is exciting. I like, I, I think this might be the, the thing to try. So he let me try it. First thing I did on it was the deadlift. So I got into the deadlift and I was like, holy crap, I have never felt my muscles like isolated and just this well-balanced in an exercise before. It was amazing. 
So I tried it and I was like, dude, I'm sold. Like, uh, can I get one of these? And he's like, absolutely. I'm going to send you one for free to your house in a week or so. Um, so he sent that to me and then he started talking about the carnivore diet. And hmm. he said, if you pair the carnivore diet with it, it's going to really help you get the best results. And I was like, really? It's like, I've heard of the carnivore diet. I've seen a little bit about social media. The first time I ever heard about the carnivore diet was um, Dr. Oh, what's that dude's name? He's uh, um, from Canada. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Jordan uh, Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, Jordan Peterson. So the first time I ever heard about the carnivore diet was Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan podcast. And the first thought I had was just like, same thing as everybody else. Like, isn't that bad eating that much meat? Like having all that saturated fat and cholesterol, like that has to be a bad thing. There's no way you just eat meat. Ab like, absolutely not. How could I do that? So that was the first time I heard about it. So I just kind of fluffed it off. It wasn't anything. Um, and then I think I looked into it a little bit more, but I didn't really dive in too deep. And then he's bringing it up and mentioning, it. I'm like, man, like you think I get the best results doing that? Like you look amazing, man. Like you're super ripped and big dude who clearly gained a lot of muscle mass doing the X3 bar and the carnivore diet. So I was like, yeah, like, I guess I'll give it a try. So after that meeting, uh, he sent me the X3 bar and I started really diving in deep to the carnivore diet. I would listen to like hundreds and hundreds of hours of like Dr. Paul Saldina's podcast, especially just diving in really deep, looking at studies. Um, and what I found out was that you can find studies to back up whatever you believe. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like whatever preconceived notion you have, you will find a study to make whatever you have in your mind true. And I can't stand people who say like every single scientific study is absolute fact and the absolute truth. I don't believe that whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I really started digging into it, really figuring out how to do the carnivore diet correctly. And I know Jordan Peterson did it mostly just steak and salt. And I was like, there's gotta be like more to it than that. So I, I looked into Dr. Paul Saladino's work and it was nose to tail carnivore diet. So then I started going into like, okay, the organs are a big part of it. Like you're eating the, the, the muscle meat, the organs, the blood, the fat, the bone, like the entire animal nose to tail. And I was like, okay, this makes more sense to me. This is interesting. And they started diving into like, this is ancestrally how we've eaten as hunters and gatherers for thousands of years before this past couple hundred years when we've been confused on diet. When industry started taking over, we got all these fast foods, processed foods, vegetable and seed oils, artificial flavorings and colorings, medications, all this crap is so new. And it's, we think like this is how it's been for so long, but it really hasn't. It's been the hunter and gatherer days for thousands of years prior to this. Mm -hmm. And that's where we come from. So how could it possibly be bad to eat now? What was so good for us back then? So it just logically clicked for me. It made sense. Um, and I just, I went all in, I went complete nose to tail carnivore, Actually, that's not true. I, I went no still carnivore with the addition. I was still doing white rice because I thought I still needed white rice to do my uh, my workouts and everything. Um, and then after eight weeks, I actually cut the white rice completely and I did just strict nose to tail carnivore. And I lost 20, about 22 pounds or so within about five to six weeks. Wow. All the size I had, I thought it was real, real muscle mass, but it wasn't. It was so much fat and water weight. I didn't even realize I had. So I went from about 185 down to about 161 or so. So I actually lost about 24 pounds. How tall um, are you? Uh, six, four. So I got oh. super thin. Oh. Yeah. 185 down to 161. And it took me over a year to gain all that size back, but it was actually all true muscle mass this time. So it took me about a year and three months and I got back up to 185, but all muscle mass. So what, what are your thoughts on, um, on the, the frequency of eating and, and you mentioned about uh, 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 building, and there's a lot of talk about making sure you get your carbs 
and you have to eat a lot. Yeah. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on those things? Yeah. So a caloric surplus is an absolute waste of time. You cannot force feed muscle. All you need to gain muscle mass is protein. Protein is the building block to gain muscle. You can utilize carbohydrates to fuel your cells with more glucose to kind of give you more of that water. You kind of give yourself more of that 3D look. Like if you're totally in ketosis, totally keto all the time, I looked really flat. Most people look really flat in that state. Some people don't, but I definitely look really flat. When I started adding a little bit of carbohydrates in my diet, just raw and filtered honey, that's when my body started getting like kind of the 3D look and I started having a little bit more energy. It's like my pre-workout. I use raw honey pre-workout and then post-workout. So I notice it gives me more performance. Um, I feel better. I just, I, I like it. It just, it just makes me feel like I get something sweet instead of just something savory all the time. So I prefer that way, but absolutely like caloric surplus, waste of time. You're damaging your gut. You're eating way more food than you have to be eating. It's not, you can't force feed muscle. It's not about caloric surplus. Um, so I just do really high protein, moderate fat. So it's just the, the fat that's in my meat, uh, the beef tallow I'm cooking my eggs in and my meat in. Um, and I used to do suet. I used to do suet on top of it, just, uh, just straight beef fat when I was doing the fence construction still for more calories. So the only time I think a caloric surplus or more calories comes into play is if you have, um, like a physical labor job. So if you're as lean as someone like me, and I'm working that hard and that much, eight hours a day, I'm going to start eventually burning up my muscle tissue because I don't have any fat to burn as fuel um, during the workday. So when I was doing fence construction in my family business, I would eat like a more fat, which was I was using suet, and that gave me more calories to burn. So I wasn't burning through my muscle mass because we were just digging holes all day, pounding T-posts, stretching wire, um, hammering nails, tearing down fences, um, demolition. So I was burning a lot of calories and I was working a lot. So in that case, caloric surplus, I think matters. But for most of us, people who have desk jobs, people who don't really move around that much, don't want to burn that many calories. It's an absolute waste of time and you don't have to worry about a caloric surplus. So what about uh, uh, a percentage of fat to protein? Do you have a measurement of, of that in the way of either calories or just uh, right. grams? Because uh, I'm not a measurer of things like that. I, I, I don't even know what a gram really is. And uh, no one really does. No one even knows what a calorie is. But right. what are your thoughts and how do you explain it to your clients? I think we're all very different. So there's a lot of trial and error that has to go with this. If you're eating an animal-based diet, you don't have to count calories. Calories doesn't matter. You have to hit your protein requirements. You have to be getting enough fat. You have to choose a fuel source. Either your, your fuel source is going to be fat or it's going to be carbohydrates. So when you're eating animal-based, obviously your fuel source is going to be fat. So when I choose to make my fuel source carbohydrates, I'm using raw honey and fruit. And those are the only carbs I really ever eat. So when I'm doing high protein and I'm doing higher carb, so my carb days, maybe 180 at the absolute most, but it's for before and after my workout. And my fat is usually under hundred. For me, if I go over hundred carbs and over hundred fat, I get the runs like immediately. It's crazy. Like my body responds right away. So my fat and carbs, I have to be really careful with. Some people do well. They can handle like 150 grams of carbs, 150 grams of fat. They're totally fine. Like that's kind of similar to what Paul Saladino does. He's kind of midway with both his fuel sources. I can't do that. See, my, my opinion is, is that we only burn fat for fuel. Right. Because sugar, when you eat sugar, it goes up in your bloodstream, right? Mm -hmm. And then insulin goes up. And then sugar goes down and insulin goes down. So my, my theory is, and, and, I, and I'm, I, I haven't, is that when sugar goes up, insulin goes up, sugar is converted to fat, right? Mm -hmm. 
because we know when we eat sugar, we get fat. Why would it be different for anyone else, right? Is We know that sugar, no matter what it is, if it's rice, pasta, bread, cereal, or honey, are those differences? They're the same, right? Yeah, the body responds in the same way, yeah. Right, insulin goes up, and then they're converted to fat. And so if, if and I never quite figured out, how is it that you burn sugar sometimes and you burn fat other times? Right. Does that make any sense? No. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. So so what if we only burn fat, but for some reason we eat sugar and we think that's our energy, but it's a little like cocaine. It right. makes us feel good, right? Right. It gives us energy, but we think that's our energy. But in fact, it's like a Coca-Cola or a right. or, or, or caffeine, right? Is Those aren't our energy, are they? I think it is. It, it, what is it? It's kind of can be a placebo. You kind of get like a sugar rush from it in the moment. And that's what I feel. But then I come right back down. I feel like to burn it off fat as fuel. It's just like, like in the moment pre-workout for me. Right, right, right. But, but, but fat is the only fuel for the mitochondria to make energy. Right. But again, when you have caffeine, you feel more energized, right? Right. But you wouldn't say that caffeine is a source of energy. It's the same thing with sugar. It's a little like an opiate drug that stimulates epinephrine and makes your blood flow faster potentially or your heart rate and your muscles right. but it isn't you don't burn sugar you you again it's kind of a concept because we we know as a carnivore do we need any sugar in our diet not really i i mean honestly the definition for macronutrients is macros like you need them absolutely for life i only think there's two macronutrients there's protein and there's fat. You really don't need carbohydrates to survive. That's absolutely true. But I do feel like you can potentially thrive better adding a little bit of carbohydrates to your diet, but using it for performance and performance. Right. So in essence, it's a little like uh, doping. Uh, right. <laughs> again, I, I, again, I'm, I'm because we like sugar. Mm -hmm. We like it so much, we just keep on sort of throwing in. And that's why we love the term keto. You burn sugar and then you burn fat. But I'm betting it's wrong. And again, but but we're in our last three and a half million years. How often did we eat food? That was closer to probably one meal a day. Or less. That. I mean, yeah, maybe even maybe even less. And so we got it every three days. Maybe so. So what did you burn for energy? Right. Fat. Fat. And so we're only doing things we weren't actually ever doing. I mean, we never went out and exercised to get bulk right. in order to look good because we do it now probably more for reproduction, right? Right, <laughs> Looking good and inspiring people to be good. But, right. but maybe glucose, see, I always say glucose is not a Krebs cycle uh, 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 substance. It's acetyl-CoA which comes from fatty acids. That's why an anorexic will drop dead fast. And that's why everyone gets fat easily because we're still pushing sugar because again, it's like caffeine. It's a drug to make us feel good mm -hmm. because when you feel good, you want you. And, and again, why would we want to eat sweet fruit 10,000, hundred thousand years ago? Cause it makes fat, right? Right, to bulk up for the wintertime. But, but bulk up, fat up, because if you right. don't get fat and a famine. So so again, I, I just, 
uh, I think in some ways we, we use these words that maybe they're not quite right, but they, they, they fit sort of our, because I know Saladino loves honey and fruit, right? Which, which again, everyone likes sugar, right? And, and ultimately why would the brain want you to eat sugar? Bacteria, maybe like candida craving to get fat. It? or that <laughs> to get fat. I mean, no other organism wants to be thin, right? Right. And you and I just have easy access to food. So we're not thinking that we want to be fat. We want to be skinny. But I just sometimes wonder if our actions to be skinny are actually not good for us. Right. It's not for survival. Like, I mean, you want to have all that fat to burn and use as energy. It, right, right. So tell, tell me, tell us a little bit about your, 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 your business and your coaching and a little, I want to get into mindset a little bit, because I know I could talk about fuel and food for forever. Yeah. And I want to know a little bit more about your mindset and how you worked on that and you work on your clients also. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get into that, I want to explain just kind of when I did transition to the carnivore diet and using the X3 bar, um, just the X3 bar alone, instead of weightlifting, like my joints didn't stop that like totally stopped hurting. I was gaining muscle faster than I ever had before. Cause the stimulus was just so much more accurate. It was loading um, my muscle first instead of my joints. And then um, when I did the carnivore diet within like two to three months, brain fog was completely gone for the first time in my life. It was crazy. Like I, I, I had never experienced anything like, like imagine your brain is just in a constant state of fog your entire life you don't know any different and then all of a sudden the fog lifted and i was like holy shit like i'm actually smart like i can comprehend information now i can listen to all these podcasts i can look at all these studies i can read all these books and i was actually comprehending everything i was i was reading and i was seeing so it was amazing my gut remember i used to be just totally gassy all the time constant bloating stomach irritation all that completely went away i i, I probably didn't have gas for man like two months or so before I had like one little fart or something. It was, it was crazy. And it was when I maybe like ate some more fruit than I should have, or maybe a grain here and there, it would come right back and I have the gas again. So it was amazing. The difference. Why when I went full carnivore, just all the issues I had just completely went away. And this got me so excited because like, man, like if I can heal myself in this way, totally change my life. How many more lives can I help who people who struggle with the same thing, like feeling stupid, like having crazy brain fog, being socially anxious all the time? Like it's horrible. Like so many people deal with social anxiety, especially, and they take all these medications to help them try to get through it. But it's not the way you can fix it with the correct diet. So then I start really good, man, like there's so many people who need my help, who have gone through what I've gone through and I can help them now with what I've learned and experiencing it so they can see this is where I've come from. This is where I am now. And these are the tools I used to get there. It's really not that hard. It's a, it's a pretty easy fix. Of course, it's going to take accountability. Of course, it's going to take consistency. It's going to take change your mindset, but you can do it and you can do it very easily with just some guidance. So it, it was amazing to me, like the changes I felt just within the first two, three months switching to animal-based. They completely changed my life. Um, but yeah, helping my clients. Um, I do. I start with mindset. I just really get them in a place that they're able to kind of learn the new information to take it in. Um, just kind of start letting go of old lifestyle, like eating style habits for sure. Uh, most people, they eat too late. They drink too late. They drink too often. So I start cutting that out. So, okay, you're going to stop eating two to three hours before bed now. And then I start increasing that like even like less and less time. So maybe stop eating before like six or seven every day. 
Cause like two to three hours is a minimum. I would like it to be like four to five hours to not eat before I go to bed. So I start switching them off from that. Um, I, I get them to stop drinking water so late. So you don't wake up to pee messing up your sleep cycle. So I start having them stop drinking water like two hours before bed. Um, and I really get into the diet. So I give them the meal plan right away. Um, I usually, for people who have significant amount of weight loss to lose, I match them about gram of protein per pound of body weight. Um, and they start, most of them start losing weight pretty quickly. I'd say for an average of my clients, I'd say they lose about 30 pounds in a 12 week period working with me, wow. uh, but we're all different. Like some people I've had, they lost 40 pounds in like a little less than two months. And some people take a little bit longer than 12 weeks uh, to lose like the same 30 or 40 pounds. It's just very interesting how we all work. And a lot of what holds us back is our hormones. So I don't chase calories. I don't do caloric deficit. I don't try to like move more, eat less. It's not about that. It's about changing hormones. So I change hormones exactly with getting people better sleep, exactly what I'm feeding them, um, changing household products, especially not getting all xenoestrogens and crap and all our uh, lotions and body washes and laundry detergents, all that. I start getting rid of that. And I change how they're working out exactly. So the, the, the most intense stimulus, the deepest level of failure in the shortest amount of time, that's what I go for. I don't want them just doing all this cardio, like long distance cardio, same speed, um, like only 50% effort the whole time. If they're going to do like a cardio routine, I want it to be interval training. So it's like 10 to 15 total minutes, one minute, 100% effort, 30 seconds, 50% effort back and forth until the total time. And that's going to mimic resistance training and you're going to get more fat loss because of that. Um, and with the workouts, I give them an option. Like, do they want to do the X3 bar? I, I say like, this is going to be the best way to lose body fat and gain muscle mass. So if, if you're really serious about this, let's do that. If you love the gym, that's totally fine. I'll make you a gym workout routine you can do at the gym. If you don't want to do either of those things, you just want to do kind of hit style workouts at home, then I set them up uh, for something like that as well. But that is how you uh, positively change hormones in a better way as well. Just getting exhausted, just your heart pounding, blood flowing better, you're sweating. Um, so all those things really help start changing hormones. And the nutrition especially is huge. So I try to get most of my clients eating nose to tail right away. Some are open to eating the organs right away um, and some aren't. And that's okay. So the people who aren't, I get them to take uh, the desiccated uh, pill form. So hardened soil supplements with Dr. Paul Saladino, he has the desiccated pill form. Um, and also ancestral supplements, they've got every organ possible in a supplement form as well. But I usually start them at that, start really slow. I usually do uh, one bottle of the beef organs. It's like kidney, heart, liver, pancreas, and spleen. I have them take about three pills a day at first, kind of ease them into it. Because most people are not used to getting this dense nutrition. So they're going to have uh, detoxifying effects. They could get a little rash, a um, little bit of irritability. Um, sleepiness, moodiness, all that. So I start them off really slow. Um, and then after about three, four weeks or so, then I move them up to about six pills a day and they're getting all those organs. And then when they're open to it, um, I, I move them up to, okay, like six pills a day of liver, six pills a day of heart, six pills of kidney. We can move on to other organs as well. Um, and then eventually I would love them to eat them because there's no better way to get in than actually eating them. The, the supplements are fine, but they're just kind of expensive. Like if you can actually eat them and stomach them, that's the, the best way to go. And you're going to get a lot more nutrition from that. What about so, mixing them with your, your meats and things like that? Uh, you know, you take the, the heart, the, the liver and, and the organ meats and sort of grind them up with your burger. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can that. do that as well. Yeah. And, and, and what's your fat ratio? Are you, what, what do you, you talked about, uh, protein amounts. So what about yeah. So normally what I do, I match gram of protein per pound of body weight. 
And fat for almost all my clients is under a hundred grams. I like to keep it between about 60 to a hundred grams. And then um, carbohydrates, I try to get them complete carnivore first. So carbohydrates like 10 grams or less. So what I do is I, I start them with carnivore as a tool, super strict. They get the fastest results that way. Then I transition them to carnivore-ish, adding like fruit and honey. And then I transition them to more whole foods diet, just a little bit of everything. Um, some people feel great staying mostly carnivore. Some people feel amazing and love carnivore-ish. But for most people, I think it's going to be more sustainable for whole foods. Even though I don't agree with all the stuff that's in a whole foods diet, I just think that it's going to be more sustainable. They're going to be able to enjoy it long term. They're always going to be animal-based, getting their nutrients. But I start opening up the diet more with uh, more fruits, uh, honey, more vegetables. But I teach them the plant toxicity spectrum. So I show them what's low on the spectrum of plant toxicity, what's midway, and then what's high end. So high end, we're staying away from like nightshade vegetables. Um, we're staying away from cruciferous vegetables, leafy greens, turmeric, kind of stuff like that. Um, and then I let them have more like, like white rice, maybe sweet potatoes, white potatoes, tuber vegetables, um, kind of things like that and fruit. So I just think that's more of a sustainable way for most people to kind of stick to it. What about the exercise routine and, and, uh, and keeping that as a sustainability? How do you, how do you help your clients on that? So people get tired of whatever they're doing. So if I have them start with the hit workouts, they'll do that for a while. So I, I have a bunch of different hit workouts I can give them to, to kind of keep it interesting. And then after that, some people are like, Hey, I want to start going to the gym. I want to try the gym. So then they might get in the gym or write them a plan for that. And then if they're really serious about it, um, I'll suggest again, the X three bar and potentially get them into the X three bar again. So that's one of my kind of higher programs, my more one-on-one -on -one coaching um, where I take more time to actually zoom call train them with the X three bar. Um, so they get them into that. And then most of my clients, they, they end up really loving the X3 bar. It's short. It's like a 10 to 20 minute workout. Get in, get out, you're done. Um, so they really like the, the time saving factor of it and just how good and how much intensive a workout it is in that short time, how much you're getting done in that little amount of time. Um, but some people, they get bored. They want to go back to weightlifting after they do that. And that's totally fine as well. And to be honest, like I've been doing X3 for about three years now. And I kind of want to switch it up a little bit. I kind of want to go back to the gym, maybe, maybe for two, three months, kind of see how it goes, switch it up a little bit and then come back to the X3 bar. So I'm not super dogmatic on anything. I think it all works. Um, but yeah, I think switching up is important. Keeping it exciting. Cause I mean, literally doing the same thing every single day, no matter if it's diet and no matter if it's exercise, you're going to get bored of it eventually. So I do like to switch it up. And, and the question is uh, from a happiness to be keto for Leah is how much is the X3 bar? <laughs> uh, X3 bar is about, I believe, 560 or so after taxes. Uh, um, so I, do have, huh? I do have discounts. Uh, I can make it quite a bit less expensive. So I have a $50 off discount. Um, I also have a link. You can get an open box unit. So open box unit is just someone who bought it. They tried it for just a little bit and decided it wasn't for them. And they sent it back. So those ones, I can get a link for that for $399. So significantly cheaper. What's but usually brand new. About what is your years. website? So right now my website's actually in construction. Um, I'm, I'm totally doing a new website. Right now my website is tylerlamarshfitness.com. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it. It's probably going to be regenerative uh, life fitness when I, when I redo it. But yeah, my website's in the making of getting redone. But my Instagram is regenerative life fitness. Um, my YouTube is Tyler Lamarsh. Facebook, Tyler Lamarsh. Um, I have two Facebook groups. One Facebook group is uh, Regenerative Life. 
uh, fitness community. And then I have a mastermind group, which is mostly for my clients and my uh, online trainings. And that's a regenerative life fitness uh, mastermind group. And what happens in the mastermind group? So that is where I do, I do group classes. So I do two Zoom call trainings with the X3 uh, per week. So I usually do a Q&A before the training starts. Then I do the X3 training and then a Q&A again after that. So the people who don't want to spend the money to do one-on-one coaching with me, um, I give them as a second option to be in a group style class uh, for less expensive. So that's, I'm only checking in with you, working with you twice a week, working with me one-on-one, it's every single day. So it's, um, it, there's, a, there's a lot more to it, a lot more accountability, um, a lot more education involved. So just kind of different options I give. And, and uh, what would you, uh, let's see, uh, Lambs asks, uh, why, why would you transition from carnivore when you're thriving? So I, I, I don't know yeah. if that's going to or going from, but uh, at, you know much about Robert Atkins' diet. Yeah. So Atkins' diet was go on steak, and then when you're down on your weight, you go back to everything else. And then just yo-yo back The worst forth. thing you could do. <laughs> right. That's why I tell people, when you are carnivore, you are thriving. Mm-hmm. When you go back to a whole foods diet, you're dead. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's one thing maybe a lot of people don't know because they haven't experienced the Atkins, which is exactly what a lot of people are working to do is they use carnivore uh, to lose the weight, but then they think that they could just go back again. Yeah. I think it's kind of deadly, but uh, let's see, why would you transit carnivore when you're thriving? I have a, I have an opinion on that as well. It's like when, when people say like, I'm already thriving, I already feel amazing. Like we know the best we've ever felt and we know the worst we've ever felt. So that is our own opinion of ourselves. And that's what you base your average off of. So, I mean, we could, we could feel kind of good. Like your stomach feels somewhat peaceful. Your brain works somewhat clearly, but I would argue that you don't truly know what thriving is until you try an animal based diet and you give it time. There's an adjustment period. You're not going to feel, you're going to feel worse before you feel better. That's, that's, you're going to be adjusting. Your body is not used to running off a fat as fuel. Most people are used to running off of carbohydrates for fuel source. So it's very different. Well, well, so, well I'm, but I'm going to still look at, we only use fat for fuel. We may think we use sugar. Right. Remember, sugar goes up, insulin goes up, fat goes up. Right. And so, so I'm just saying they're, they're using the carbohydrates constantly and their insulin is just going up and down, up and down all day long. And they, they think it's their main fuel source, but still it could be fat. Yeah. Right, right. But it's, but it's still a conf- – I said this is what I think we are all confused about. Right. Because what if the science is really wrong? Right. And, right. and again, w- again, is sugar bad for us? It's not because sugar goes up, insulin goes up, fat goes in. And so – but we're not used to eating three meals a day. Right. We probably ate fruit when? What every – like – seasonally in the right because we so ultimately our real disaster is eating plants of any significance or frequency anyway right right and so if if we're going back on to daily fruit and honey is that potentially going to sort of it's the it's the slippery slope right back to the same thing right which is the insulin you know sugar goes up insulin goes up sugar goes down insulin goes down but ultimately we're making fat because if you don't make fat, type one diabetics don't have insulin and they get very skinny and they die. Mm-hmm. Type two diabetics, what makes a type two diabetic? Only one thing, 
eating plants. No plants, no type two diabetes, right? right? So I, you know, I just, again, if, if we get to the point, we, we think there's a cross inhibition. I know Tony talks about that. I say no way. Again, it sounds good because we take all these metabolic processes, but we, we think of them in isolation. They're not right. And, and so if you don't, if you don't eat for a week and you're 300 pounds, can you survive quite well? Oh yeah. <laughs> 200 pounds. Can you survive well? Right. I mean, ultimately you don't survive well when ultimately your fat is gone. Then you start burn, you start digging into the protein, but ultimately you're probably on your way to death anyway. Right. So again, I, I it, it's, if we're talking, it's carnivore like is the, is the, like the Holy grail of human nutrition. Wouldn't you say? Oh, I completely agree. And so going on plants ultimately is an addictive drug, right? right? Even honey and fruit. It can be like, it can be a slippery slope, but I believe it does truly make you perform better in the moment when you are playing a sport, when you are exercising, it is a performance enhancer. For sure. Well, well, like doping and like caffeine, right? So maybe though it's psychological because I know there are many pure carnivores that can outbeat anyone on a carbohydrate. And so I still think maybe we're, we're still in that, that slippery slope. It's okay. And it's going to make you feel better. But, but again, these, these now people are drinking these power drinks and things like that. My bet is carnivore alone, you're building muscle, you're building strength and you're building energy. And you right. don't eat it. Because I know for myself, I've been doing it for 12 years. I do a little bit of carbohydrate from time to time. But every day, it's only steak. And that's it. Yeah. And so I can tell you I have more energy than anyone you know at 66. <laughs> and so I've been through all those diets. And yeah. I, my bet is still that, again, we, we're, we're, we confuse it with the constant story that maybe maybe we should all step back and go like, cause you've been carnivore for how long now? It's been three years now about. Okay. So if you eat carnivore and honey and fruit every day, isn't that an omnivore? I, I call it carnivore ish, but it's an omnivore. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. A carnivore eats only meat. An omnivore right. eats everything. And an herbivore eats only, only plants. And so again, we're, if we're really going to talk science, uh, and I love my sweets, by the way, but I'll have them only from time to time. Right. Uh, but I do, I, I eat just before I go to bed, maybe an hour or two most, because when you rest your body, where does all the blood flow go? To the bowels, mm. which is the best digestion ever. Right. Again, I'm, I just, I, I, I'm just, I always question a little bit, all of our discussions in this yeah. a little bit is maybe I think you're right on on sleep. Uh, and we don't, do you think we sleep enough? Most people, absolutely not. No, we don't. Right. And tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that. About how to improve sleep or just how we're not sleeping enough. Yeah. Both of that. What, what are your thoughts on, on that? How do you train your, your clients on that? Well, what I do personally, and I started help my clients do this as well is we definitely, it's beneficial to see the sun rise and see the sunset. That really sets our circadian rhythm, gets our melatonin levels where they need to be. But I'll be the first to admit, I'm not watching the sunset, sun go down every single day. I'm not watching it come up every single day. So what I do to keep my melatonin levels high is I wear blue light blocking glasses. So 
uh blue blocks it used to be blueblocks.com now it's bondcharge.com uh, it's a blue light block glasses from australia so i wear those blue light blocking glasses three to four hours before i go to bed every, to bed every single night so it allows me to look at my computer screen my phone the tv and it's not really disrupting i'm not getting that blue light coming in it's not disrupting um, my, my melatonin production so i've noticed like when i put the glasses on over time I, it starts making me tired i start like feeling like i could go to sleep and I feel like my sleep is more restful. It's a lot better because I used to watch literally TV up until the moment I went to bed and I'm sleeping a whole lot better wearing the glasses every day than what I did before that. So that's the biggest thing. So not eating too late, not drinking too late, wearing the blue light blocking glasses before bed. Those have been the biggest things that have been the help for me. And then whatever I do for myself, I have my clients do as well. And what are you listening to uh, or what are you thinking before you go to bed? Um. <sighs> I think about work way too much, honestly. Um, I, I agree, like meditation is super important. Um, I should be a lot better about taking the five to 10 minutes, not thinking about anything, not having any <laughs> distractions going on. Um, I need to be better about that. I agree. That's one of the best things you can absolutely do to calm down your mind, get in that state. That's going to help you get into more restful sleep. Um, but yeah, I agree. That's, that's definitely Medi very important. Meditation and prayer and, and listening to listening to your, your podcast before you go to bed is... You know, you're just the, the positive ideas that you feed your brain with. So when you go to sleep, your brain is thinking about these things. So right. it resets the groove, right? Most of us are in a rut of negativity, but you mm -hmm. want to elevate it and put it on the on the on the groove of of positivity. And right. that's one of the things I think is really critical because you talk about mindset, which is uh, of course, but ultimately, I think one of the most important things, and that's why I commend what you're doing. And that's why I've been drawn to your words and ideas is, is, is we need a coach and a cheerleader going at this alone is, is, is hard for most of us, isn't it? Right. And I literally, like, I just gave away all the answers on how to do it correctly, but still a lot of people won't be able to do it because they need that accountability. They need that coach. Which I think ultimately we're community and, you know, we, we learn best in the classroom in essence, but it's a better classroom when we're all sort of around a, a circle. We're part of a tribe and we're, we're all communicating and, 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 and discussing these ideas together. Right. That's why I love all these. I mean, Tony threw out some ideas, Lambs, NTL. You know, we're all sort of sharing these ideas. And some of them are opposite, right? Some of them like, you know, that's not what, I, what the science says or what I believe or what I share. But sometimes I've learned based on opposite approaches and ideas. Right. Uh, any any particular opposite approaches that you've learned over your 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 recent uh, experiences that have sort of changed your habits and you're sharing your habits. Um, I don't know. I just know that when I first started the carnivore diet, I was very dogmatic about it. Um, I was very just, it's strict meat, eggs, salt, organs. That's all it is. And I did try that for a long time. I was strict carnivore for about six months to a year. And I just felt like what would happen if I did start adding the fruit and the honey, like what would happen? Like, could that possibly make me feel better? And honestly it did. Like, I know what you're saying completely about like, we only really truly use fat as a fuel source and the carbs are just kind of for fun, just like a, a dopamine hit. It's just pure cocaine or something. But honestly, like I do feel a lot better when I incorporate carbohydrates every day versus when I just do strict carnivore all the time. I can well, do well, both. Caffeine, caffeine makes me feel better too. <laughs> right. And so right. does nicotine. 
right? right. And so again, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out the, the, the possibility that, that again, uh, 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 feeling better isn't necessarily better for you in the long run because sugars are glycating, right? When you eat a plant that was never in your diet of any significance or frequency, you're causing glycation, which is the damage to the glycobiome and to other particles of your body. But again, it's, it's, uh, we know it's not necessary, but you're performing better. Well, I mean, again, Lance Armstrong said when they were doping, they performed better and it made right. us better. So again, I, I'm, it's, it's not what our real mission is. It's really ultimately getting to some science, but, but I do believe if you're having a little bit of honey and fruit at one time, your sugar goes up, mm -hmm. your insulin goes up. What is, what does insulin do to sugar? It converts it to fat in the liver and lowers your sugar levels because that's the function of insulin is to convert amino acids and simple sugars in the liver to fat. Because if you don't have insulin to convert sugars, amino acids to fat, you die. And if you don't have a functional liver to do that, you die. And so again, these ideas are really radical, but, but I think though, I do agree with you. You, we are an omnivore. You can eat them. Mm -hmm. And, and the best thing though is, is like Saladino says, honey and fruit, because they're simple sugars, simple sugars are digested faster and they tend not to go to the colon. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts? And I know fiber, um, I don't recommend fiber at all. I call it nature. Yeah. It's deadly. It ferments. Right. It feeds the microbiome, which makes alcohol, which also makes us feel better, right? Right. So... I know that like for performance purposes, I do like the honey. I barely, I only do the honey pre and post workout. That's it. So it's, it's just for performance. I do just a little bit of fruit. It's really not that much. So I'm really not getting that much fiber, but I do agree that fiber is not necessary for a healthy gut whatsoever. Like if you were to have a big plate of steak and a big plate of vegetables right next to it, all that, if you're eating that steak and you're having all that fiber too, all that fiber is going to make it so you're not going to be able to fully absorb all the nutrition inside that steak. Fiber is resistant. It blocks it. Fiber goes right through you. Like I think when you eat fiber, there's vitamins, there's minerals and nutrients in it, but it's not very bioavailable. It's not very much. It's so dead. I'd say when you eat fiber, you might get like, I don't know, 10, 20%, if that of the nutrition that's in it. And the rest just fills the toilet bowl. So it's a, it's an absolute waste of time. It's not bioavailable nutrition. Well, and if you're eating too much of microbiome. What's that? It damages the glycobiome. Right. It causes fermentation in our gut. It makes alcohol. Right. Fiber is absolutely de deadly for us. Right. And it's I think it it, uh, it breaks down your gut. You get leaky gut, especially yeah. from plant defense chemicals. I think over time, it really does break down your gut, your gut lining, and you will have a problem with a lot of like acid reflux and huge gut digestion issues in the future. If you constantly which, which, which likely, cause I know as a child and a teen and everything, I suffer from all the things you suffered from. And, and when I went carnivore at age 55, everything gone. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I do eat some potatoes maybe once every few weeks. Sometimes it's twice a week. That's under rare conditions, but, but it's, that's not my daily. My mm -hmm. daily is, is steak every day. And I think the organ meats are very important. They're, they're good, but they're not critical. 
you know, that's kind of an interesting one because there's still a little debate. I know if you yeah. talk to uh, Sean Baker. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of Sean Baker's work. I definitely know his stance and, on and, it. And, yeah. I, I, you know, again, we're, we're ultimately we're, 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 we're discussing, by the way, because I like the discussion about, yeah. you know, we're, we're there, there's the, there is the performance end of, of, of wanting to build muscle and feel better and compete, which is different than we're, we're sharing health and wellness tips for those people who are working to have a, a daily habit. And mm -hmm. I think an exercise routine. Now, I don't recommend excessive exercise, but I think doing some motion work, uh, whether it's a bike or rowing uh, or, or I think lifting. And, and, I, and I like the X bar uh, because I think resistance work is really, really, really important. The beauty of the X bar is you can take it anywhere. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it's and that that's the that's the beauty. And uh, I'm a, assuming the same things with you can take the X bar with you and you can also uh, lock uh, uh, lock on to Tyler Lamarck. Right. Any place you, you are. Right. Oh, I bring it with me everywhere. I'll work out like the side of the road, sidewalks right in front of the beach. I'll, I take it anywhere. I'll work out in the middle of the airport if I have to. Like I, I, I will not ever not do a workout just because I'm I'm busy or I'm traveling or things are coming up. I'll always get it in. So, so uh, what's your general routine on recommending uh, at least the resistance work uh, every day, every other day? Uh... When you're first starting out, I think four days a week is plenty. But if you're really serious about getting as much muscle mass as possible, um, I'd say six days a week. So with the X3 bar, you're only doing one set per exercise, the full failure. You're not doing multiple sets like you do with weights that actually breaks down muscle tissue. You're giving the body the stimulus for growth instead of breaking it down. So you can actually, because of that, because you're not overdoing it, you can work out each muscle group three times a week, which is unheard of. That's why it's kind of called X3 because you get three times the results. So weights, I wouldn't recommend working out any muscle more than twice a week. Sometimes that is, is even too much. But with the X3, I'm able to work out uh, each muscle uh, three times a week. So I do it Monday through Saturday. And it only takes me, it takes me 20 minutes a day, 25 maybe, because I take more rest between each set. Um, I take about two to three minute rest between each exercise. Um, but you can get it done in like 10 minutes if you only take a 30 minute rest period. So it's pretty quick. And, and, and doing it five to six days or six days a week is, is sort of a good habit. Yeah, I'd say six days a week if you're the most serious about losing body fat and getting as much muscle as possible. Uh, 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 food, food, uh, number of meals a day. I don't know if we hit on that. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? So in here's a funny thing. I, I experimented with OMAD. I've experimented with two meals a day, three meals a day. I've had my clients do the same. I have clients who are doing the carnivore diet, doing one meal a day, and they, some of them don't lose weight. Like they just hit a point, they plateau, they stop losing weight. So they come to me and I get them to start doing two to three meals a day. And then I increase their calories a little bit from animal-based foods. And then they start losing weight again. So I have a theory that I think when you're doing OMAD, sometimes your body can potentially get into a starvation type of mode and your body wants to hold on to that body fat because you're waiting the whole day to feed it. So I do think it can be a type of starvation mode. It can work long-term for a lot of people too, because ancestrally, like, yeah, we ate probably once a day, once every two days, once every three days. And we held on to more body fat because of that, because our body was in that state. Well, shit, it's not feeding us. We need to survive. We need to hold on to this body fat. So I think it's doing a similar thing with weight loss. And I get them to eat two, three meals a day. Now I'm not trying to do that silly thing. We're trying to eat every two to four hours to quicken metabolism. Your metabolism is going to naturally quicken just eating the right foods, no matter what you're doing. But 
for my my experience with my clients, two to three meals a day has been the most optimum for their weight loss journey. So, so do you, do you ever talk, do any fasting? Do your clients going to yeah. talk more about fasting? Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? So fasting is amazing. Your body's going to go through autophagy, recycle and replace cells, upregulate hormones, especially growth hormone and testosterone, even if you're a woman. Um, I usually have my clients do one 24-hour fast for the first week or two, get used to that. Um, that's very difficult for a lot of people who are used to eating whenever they want, having an eating window of like 12, 14 hours a day. Then I get them to one 48-hour fast a week, and then I do a one 72-hour fast a week. Um, that one's usually pretty freaking difficult. And then I do uh, start doing a dry fasting. So no food, no water. I start doing one 24-hour dry fast a week. Then I up them to two one 24-hour dry fast a week, potentially one 48-hour dry fast a week. That one, I've honestly never done that one myself. That, that's got to be extremely hard, but it, it really works. Um, and then I start doing potentially rolling 20-hour dry fast. So only having a four-hour eating window. So say your eating window is between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m., uh, only food and water in that short time period, and then no other food or water after that or before that. So that's usually as, as intense as it gets. Which, which ultimately we likely live through for millions of years. Yeah, even more so than that. Yeah, we're, we're built to go days without water, weeks without food, and but a minute or two without air. Yeah, and and uh, and any anything else uh, on on your journey that that inspired, inspired you that we haven't talked about? Just the biggest information, inspiration for me was just how down I was on myself. I was not in a growth mindset. I did not take ownership of my life. I was just enduring my entire life until my late twenties. Like I just thought I'm gonna have brain fog forever. I'm gonna have these gut issues forever. It's just the way it is. I'm just gonna deal with it. So when I started this animal-based eating more carnivore, it took all that away. And that just gave me like the biggest hope for the first time in my life that I don't have to be stuck um, this way, that I do have hope that I can help others, that I can be a leader. Cause I've always, I've been sort of a leader, like going through school. I was like MVP and team captain through uh, soccer. Um, I played a lot of soccer. I was really good at soccer and um, I was part of a leader, but I felt like I could have been so much better of a leader if my brain was actually working clearly. Um, if I didn't have the social anxiety. So opening like, eating this way has opened so many doors for me that I would have never thought possible until I started doing it. It honestly just, it opened my world to endless possibilities. Like I have a growth mindset. Now I'm taking ownership of my life. I'm helping others do the same with my story. They can know like, shoot, I've been there too. And that's the tools he used to get out of it. I'm going to do that too. And I want to learn how to do that as well. So I just think it's, it, it's a big light to show people that you're not stuck only you and your mind. You think you're stuck. All you're missing is the right tools to get unstuck. That's it. Like anybody can do it. Obviously, some people, their bodies have broken down to the point where they have the most severe type of cancer, severe type of autoimmune. And I believe in some cases, it is really too late to change your life around. But for most people, it's not too late. You can change your mindset. You can change your eating habits. You can change your exercise habits. And you can totally change your life around just like I did. Obviously, I didn't have something as severe as autoimmune or cancer or anything but I do believe that my body was heading towards something like that in, in the middle of my life, maybe 40s, 50s, 60s. I believe I would have gotten something like that in the future if I hadn't made that change. And if I was doing the typical stuff I had been doing for a long time. So, so ultimately, I say it's all an immunologic autoimmune disease. And I say, actually, there are no such things as autoimmune diseases. We're all simply having a reaction to killer plants. Yeah. 
So meaning brain fog is just an allergic reaction to plants. Yeah. And anxiety is only an allergic reaction to plants. Yep. It took me a long time to figure that out. <laughs> and, and, and so remember, drugs make us feel good or drugs make us feel bad. Right. But they're still only coming from plants, which we don't require. So uh, protein pound daily ratio. Leslie asked a question. I'll say for, for most people, one gram of protein per pound of body weight, that's going to be the best. For women, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard it, 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. So let's say you're about 150. 30 pounds as a woman, you only need about 105 grams of protein a day or so. I would just say rule of thumb to keep it safe, at least one gram of protein per pound of body weight. If you're really serious about putting on as much muscle mass as possible, I would say being in a protein surplus. So um, if you're like 170 pounds, I'd recommend being in a protein surplus, eating about 230 grams of protein a day. So at least 60 grams of protein, well, no more than 60 grams of protein above your body weight. That's usually the max. There's studies that show if you go over 60 grams of protein above your body weight, you will go into thermogenesis. Your body will heat up, get rid of the excess protein. I'm experimenting with it myself because I think I'm just kind of a rare case, super fast metabolism. I just have to try as hard as I possibly can to put on size and muscle. So I'm doing a protein surplus of between 60 to 100 grams a day. And I do sometimes wake up with a meat sweat. So I, I kind of tone it down if okay. I get that too much. So, so, so most people, I think, don't know what a calorie is or a gram is. Right. You know, it's sort of, sort of, and I always, I eat a fistful of meat a day. That's it. <laughs> right. right. And, and, uh, and, and I use about maybe, uh, oh, two thirds, two thirds, uh, protein, one third fat. Yeah. I'd say that's a pretty good ratio. And, and, and so, you know, that's a good kind of rule of thumb, how to, how to sort of, uh, get to it. Yeah. Uh, any, anything about, uh, uh, blood markers. Do you talk to your patients, oh, yeah. your clients about blood markers and testing at all? Yeah, this is a fun one. So if a doctor saw my blood work, they would want to put me on a statin immediately. Um, my cholesterol is about 650. My LDL is about 551. That's crazy. Like most doctors, they see that they're going to freak the hell out. They probably have never seen numbers that high. And I would be put on a statin immediately. It's all about context. So I think it's about the ratio more. It's about L, uh, HDL to LDL. If that ratio is out of whack, if your HDL is too high with the LDL, I think that's a problem, but it's not with me. And it's about context. Like I think people who have like a standard American diet, eating fast food, processed foods, and they're eating red meat as well, lost saturated fat, and they have high cholesterol, it's probably not as good of a thing. But if you're eating like you and me, animal-based diet, we have high cholesterol, high LDL, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't have atherosclerosis. I don't think I ever will have it. My arteries feel, I mean, I could get a scan and see how my arteries are doing, but I, I would bet there's, there's nothing clogging up in there whatsoever. Well, so it's about context. Most doctors aren't understanding context. What well, are you well, eating that's making your cholesterol this high? It well, maybe bad. cholesterol uh, testing of any form is wrong. Yeah. Any form, right? I mean, if you're carnivore, if you're really carnivore, and I agree with Tony, 80, 20, 80 fat, 20%, that's a percent calories uh, of your diet because ultimately fat is twice the calories proteins yeah. only, only, you know, a, a half of that. And, and so I think that, but you're, you're, you're right. But we, we've cholesterol testing is only been manufactured in order to treat high fat thinking there's somehow there's a test that's going to help us know where you're at. But mm -hmm. if you never get a cholesterol test ever, 
and you're a carnivore, because even if you get a cholesterol test and you got illness, it doesn't tell you anything. Right. Right. I agree. I, it's a joke. It's just to fund the medical industry, fund statins, drugs, especially. I think that's what it is. Right, 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 right. right. Oh, I love it. NTL. Bullshit. I love you guys are awesome tonight, by the way. Uh, uh, let's say carno. I always say keto is keto. Keto is, is the, is the, is the pedestrian. Uh, it's for the masses and carnivore, true carnivore is yeah. for the masters. And, and again, we're, 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 but the beauty is we're all uniquely finding our own way in this, but ultimately our cellular physiology is the same, right? We're not different. In a, a physiologically, right? We're not, right? Uh, when I cut someone open, you know, it looks the same. If you look under a microscope, we look the same. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, all these ideas of, of, of you know, which is the right diet? I, you know, my grandmother lived 104. She smoked Paul Malls and drank Manhattans. That sounds like the right way to go, doesn't it, Tyler? <laughs> Long time. But you enjoy what you're doing, don't you? I love it. Yeah, it's changed my life and I want to change as many lives as I can. And, and and sounds like that inspires you so much. And I just want to I, I want to just thank everyone for joining in tonight. A few comments and questions. And again, what's the right answer? The beauty is we're going to have a lot to talk about because without it, if we all agree on it, there's nothing to talk about. Right. 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 Any any. Uh, how can people find you again, Tyler? One more time. Okay. So my website is TylerLamarcheFitness.com. Again, that's being redone soon. Uh, my Instagram is Regenerative Life Fitness. My YouTube is Tyler LaMarche. Facebook, Tyler LaMarche. Uh, my Facebook groups, uh, Regenerative Life Fitness uh, Community. And then my mastermind is Regenerative Life um, Mastermind. Uh, yeah, Regenerative Life Mastermind. And then uh, LinkedIn, I believe I'm Regenerative Life Fitness as well. Twitter, Regenerative Life Fitness. Oh, Tyler LaMarche or Regen Life, Regenerative Life Fitness everywhere else. All right. You can find Tyler. Uh, again, we have some links on our website and uh, you can find Tyler there. And by the way, I love, I, I, I too love food and I too love a carbohydrate mm-hmm. uh, because I love my social experiences, but I don't eat French fries, but from time to time right. and I eat bread from time to time, very infrequently. And mm-hmm. so again, our body is capable of it. But if you have an anaphylactic reaction to one of these things, it's no good. And lettuce, I call lettuce nature's toilet paper. But again, thanks everyone, Tyler. Thanks for, for listening to my craziness. And uh, everyone, again, God bless. Take care, everyone. Of course, man. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Carnivore Conversations, hosted by me, Dr. Robert Kiltz. And don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Check out drkiltz.com for more and subscribe to our Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook for more inspiring content every day. Take care and see you next time.